census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, and we are brought to you by the Dorkening Network. Uh, and as a result, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Uh, once you go deadly, you don't go back. That's what I've been told, and uh, that's what I've experienced. Uh, I am here, of course, not by myself, but with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is... <gasps> The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, folks of all uh, shapes and sizes, it's Ashes of a Nightmare. Poison them, drown them, bashing their heads! Do you got any chloroform? Uh, no, I used it all up on our uh, on our show last week. I don't care how you kill the little beast. Just do it and do it now. Yeah, I used all of our uh, all of our fun <laughs> stuff last uh, last I week's forgot show. upon rewatch because she does uh, a little bit of that spiel in the live action 101 Dalmatians. Glenn Close does, but she omits the chloroform part. So it's been a, a really long time since I've seen the animated 101 Dalmatians, and I could not stop giggling at that part. You know, Poison them, drown them, bash in their heads. Do you have any chloroform? <laughs> like what? No, and no ether, either, either. <laughs> I don't care how you kill the little beast. Just do it and do it now. Like I just, it just it made me laugh. Oh Disney, you crazy? She is, I think, the only <coughs> like evil Disney villain that they don't like how do I put this they don't make her attractive at all like Snow White the evil queen her thing is uh, she's she's you know like jealous of uh, of, of beauty. well she wants to be the fairest of them all Maleficent you know they make her good looking uh, what, what's the other one uh, Ursula Ur- well Ursula no but they do when they when she tries to usurp Ariel's position at the end, they make her essentially a brunette Ariel. Yes. Um, but that's, you know, she was based on Divine, so, I mean, that's a specific uh, a specific aesthetic. But, yeah, that's... Uh, they they gave her no redeeming qualities, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that quite a bit. I think she's fabulous. Well, she can be fabulous, but she has no redeeming qualities. She's one of my favorite. I want to know villains. what happened from her to turn from Emma Stone, who is absolutely adorable, to Skeletor. Well, well, so we're gonna get into that, but technically, it's Emma Stone to Glenn Close. 
Mm. Yeah, this is a whole not. See, this is part of the multiverse of madness. Like, there's going to be like in the next, uh, you know, the sequel, 102 Dalmatians, or when they redo 101 Dalmatians live action again, this time without uh, Jeff Daniels and Jolie Richardson. Um, Natasha. Was it? I think it's Natasha. Oh, I thought it was Jolie Richardson. Is it Jolie? I think I think it's Natasha. I, I could be wrong though. They look very similar. I I've only seen the movie once, and I saw it about fifteen twenty years ago. And no, it had to be more than that. Jesus, I'm forty now. Like twenty five years ago. And... Oh, you were right. It's Jolie. All right. Cause I yeah, thought Jolie so, cause Richardson. I had, a, I had a thing for her when she was when younger. they were younger. I didn't know she had a. They. A, I didn't know there look was a Natasha. Very yeah, Natasha Richardson. Uh, she is the mother in the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap. Never saw it. You never saw it? Oh, that's I didn't see good. any of them. So yeah, I didn't know there was a. I only know Jolie, and I know her because I had a thing for her on Nip, Nip Tuck. Tuck. Yep. Yep. That was a good show. Like, there's like a certain like aesthetic about her, like her and Glenn uh, Glenn Headley, who was in Mr. Holland's Old Penis, and she was also in uh, uh, Dick Tracy. Yeah, no, I know who like, you're talking they look, about. They yeah, look very similar. I had a thing for them when I was younger. Um, but anyways, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this week, Cruella Deville. I'm so excited. And um, you know, obviously, the movie just came out and. There will be spoilers. And we watched it, and it was wonderful. It was certainly a movie that came out this year. I liked it. I watched it. Um, we'll get it. We'll get into this because this was this was similar to how I felt about uh, Midsummer, which you really liked, and I thought was a good movie, but it just Wait, wasn't are you for comparing me. Cruella? To Midsummer, just in how you looked at it and how I looked at oh, it. Oh, okay. The 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 varying perspectives yes. and opinions Where watching it. Can it can be a good movie, but I didn't because we're we're watching it. it with two different mindsets, two sets of eyes. Right, like we're okay. gonna have different opinions about it. Uh, I thought Midsummer was beautifully shot, and it was a a solid film. It just, eh, like I didn't I didn't care I for it. I didn't make it bad. Loved it. I didn't think it was a bad film. I just. You know, I saw it once. And I'll probably watch the extended cut that's like 12 hours long and, you know, where you get a lot more backstory about uh, Boromir and Faramir. So, you know, that'll help out a lot. Um, but we're talking about Cruella DeVille this week, and we're going to kind of compare and contrast how she was in the book to how she was... In, in the animated versions the animated version and the different live-action versions. Because I did read the book. I read the book a couple of times, but I read it like 30 years ago. Uh, the book was written by Dodie Smith, which I don't have to look up. I remember. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, the book's a little bit more interesting because you get a lot more of the... Um, the personalities of the dogs in the Twilight Bark, like they go into that like really, really deeply. Oh, really? Like, it's yeah. A lot of fun. Um, but otherwise, the animated adaptation is very, very close to what you get in the book. So it's uh, a fairly faithful adaptation. But you know, we were trying to remember how long it was the other day, and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably like eighty minutes, eighty-one. Like, oh, I guessed. I was very. Close. You were off. I was off by one, but I was ninety-nine percent there. Um, 
But our opening, uh, our op- opening face-off, no, wrong show, getting into character. See, it's my fault. We're watching hockey while we record this because uh, the abs and it's the... It's called multitasking. The abs and the, and the Golden Knights. This is going to be an amazing series. Um, if you're interested in hearing about our love for playoff hockey, even more in-depth than what we talk about on this show, uh, listen to The Loudest Sports Show. Yeah. Especially the past couple of episodes, we've been delving deep into the world of playoff hockey, talking about these different matchups, giving you some some backstories, some history on some of these pairings. And uh, we'll be doing that for the foreseeable future as long as the playoffs are running. the entire playoffs, yeah. Yeah. And basketball and, you know, all all your sports It's a really great time of year. But but anyways, that's for for a different show. That's for tomorrow's show. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so this week... We podcast a lot. (laughs) And I podcast even more outside of that. I actually booked a a guest on a future... uh, on a future uh, indie creator spotlight this week, a uh, very well-known movie star who is also attempting to promote their band, and I think you know who it is. I do. I've met this person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You have this person's. I text with them. Okay, so I do know this person. Yes, you do. So that's pretty. Uh... This that, that's that's a really good get. It's gonna be fun. That's a really good get. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be a great episode. I haven't even told Leo yet. So. Oh, heads up, Leo. But yeah, I know Leo is uh, is still recovering. So we wish him the best. Because um, Leo is the best. Yes, Leo rules, and even in his uh, in his uh, weakened state, uh, he's still doing stuff behind the scenes so we uh, we appreciate leo very very much and uh we wish him a very speedy recovery and we wish him all the best but as i've been kind of waffling for the last five minutes mm, waffles here we come a waffling among the leaves so green uh our getting into character question for this week is uh what is your favorite kind of dog so for you, Ashes, I know what your favorite kind of dog is. And yes, it's dog. Yes, it's all dogs. <laughs> uh, so you know, it, it's an easy question for me to answer because I've been in love with this breed of dog for as as far as I can remember. Um, but I need to preface this by saying I am a cat person. I love my cats. I love. Cats in general, they're they're so beautiful and cute, and I love their independent personalities. And you know, if you if you bond with a cat, like that, that's a that's a bond. Yes. You know, cats don't necessarily like everyone the way that dogs do. Cats don't necessarily respond to people, or, or should, I should say, to, to everyone the way that dogs do. So, like, if you ever bond with a feline, like, that's just one of the best feelings in the world. And fortunately, being a, a cat person, uh, cats are really in tune with that. And I have bonded with several cats. Mm-hmm. Um, especially cats like you know, go over to somebody's house and like usually the cat's nowhere to be found and I get there and all of a sudden the cat's out and I have the cat. Oh, he never does and they, that with right, anyone. Yeah, like, oh my God, he never does that with anyone. Only when, you know, we're here by ourselves and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I know. The cats it's are a, always named Mittens. It's a gift. They are not always named Mittens. Everybody is named Mittens. But when it comes down to it, deep in my soul, I'm bipetual. I love all animals. I'm a vegetarian. I just 
think animals are great a whole hell of a lot better than people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's where Cruella, DeVille, and I differ. We're both super fabulous. We both have a love of furs. However, my furs are fake fur. I should say faux. Faux fur. Faux. Faux fur. Faux. I believe that's how it is. Oh, furs, uh, whereas she insists upon the real things. Faux fur I can. Like one of the dwarves. Uh, well, there's Boffer and Bofer. <laughs> and their cousin Fofer. Uh, I can settle for the man made stuff. I don't, I don't need the exact this one's made from plastic uh, materials. Credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyways, I love pugs. I love pugs so much. They're so ugly. They're cute with their little pushed in noses and their scrunched up faces and little curly cute tails. And they're usually all like overweight and they have a hard time breathing. I mean, same like I mean, I did show you the picture. I found a a picture of a pug skull. And they are weird looking. I showed you, and you're like, "What the hell is that?" You thought yeah, it was like really some weird deformed thing. I was like, "Yeah, it's a pug skull." No, actually, I thought it was one of those. Um, you know how they have you know, different like those skulls. Those boars of- in Chernobyl. <laughs> no, not those. Uh, where you could see like the skulls of our ancestors. <laughs> you thought it was like a Neanderthal. Yeah, I thought it was like an Australopithecines or something like that. Australopithecus. It's Lucy. No, it's a pug skull. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So surprise. Um, yeah, they are very they're very weird looking when it comes down to it, but I love them so much. You got the little bug eyes and they're so cute. They are cute as hell they're and I do so cute. I do like the way they, they uh vocalize. They're so mushy. Mushy little pugs. Our buddy uh Rocky has two pugs named Hal and Ollie, named after Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen. Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Rob Zombie. I don't know if he still has this dog, but once upon a time I was watching this. uh, It was a VH1 thing or MTV or whatever. You know, back when they actually showed music videos and like did things involving music artists and what have you. Uh, It was like some kind of like bus tour thing or whatever. And he had a little black pug named Dracula. I would imagine he would have some and sort of was animal so named after cute. a horror even, I, I have I have names picked out. I want two pugs. There's going to be Count Pugula, the little black one. And then I want a little tan one, and his name's going to be Professor Pugglesworth. Jerry. Jerry The Count and the Professor. And they'll be uh, bitter rivals dating back millennia. So for me, uh, I like I like labs. Like any type of lab mix, I had a, a Newfoundland lab who loved being in the water. Like this 80-plus pound dog who thought she was a puppy. Um, there was a, We had a beagle, and I liked the beagle with his big floppy ears that were very, very soft. Um, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of German Shepherds. I like those. Um I don't know. Like, I I don't have a specific like. Oh, I like that. Like, I just want big, cuddly dogs. Is it an Akita? An Akita. Oh yeah, Huskies, Akitas. Like, I like don't care. The, the huge, big wolf looking motherfuckers. Soft, like floofy guys. So floofy. Yeah, like I don't, I don't really care. See the the difference. You know, I'm a cat person too. I've always been a cat person, like my entire life. The only. Uh, 
The real difference between cats and dogs is that dogs are uh, need a lot more attention. Like you have to take them out, you have to walk them, you have to make sure that you don't leave them alone because they will trash your house. They'll rip everything apart. Cats will also do that, but to a lesser extent because they're not as big. Like cats will just do stuff because like to them the ends justify the means no matter what it is. Like, oh, I want to sit in the sun, but this, you know, you know, this this urn with grandma's ashes in the way, I'm going to knock it down. Bye grandma. Because the sun is here. And then they will look at you like, yeah, so Dogs will at least, if you see them and they've done something bad and you and you look at them and you can be stern with them, they will, like, you know, kind of, like, give you that look. Like, their ears will be down, their eyes will be up. And dogs are more expressive because they have eyebrows. Cats don't have the eyebrows, so they can't be quite as ex- ex- as expressive. But, well, they can't. Maybe I'm a cat. Maybe. I, too, don't have eyebrows. You have very little bit of eyebrows. Um, and you do like to sleep. A lot. And be cozy. I do like. And I like to. I like to be in the sun. Mm-hmm. I like to be left alone. Yep. I am independent. You haven't. You. You've only chosen one person. <laughs> yes, I've only bonded with one person. Um, but yeah, it's uh, especially like you know because we had some friends that were like, oh, you know, we're thinking about getting our kids uh, either a cat or a dog, and we can't decide. It's like, well, are you going to be home all the time? No. Well, then get a kitten. But I'm not going to be home. It's like kittens don't need you to be home. Like, cats will figure out where the litter box is very quickly. Well, especially, you know, as far as cats go, if you get them as kittens in pairs... Then they sleep for, like, 22 hours a day. They will be friends with each other. They'll keep each other entertained. You know, if you get an older cat, you only need one. And, and typically older cats, you know, aren't as active as, as younger cats. So, you know, typically great for lap cats, Um or should say as lap cats, but but yeah, it's uh you know I know for me personally my lifestyle right now is not conducive to having a dog. I just don't have that kind of time. We don't have that space. Well, either. I mean, there's a space. Yeah, there's that issue too. If we had a nice um, big fenced-in yard, we. Could I have mean, a dog. I would I would love to have a to adopt a dog someday. Also, I'm a huge advocate for adopt. Don't shop. Mm-hmm. Go to your local shelter if you're looking to add a furry family member to your family. Um, There are so many animals out there in shelters who are looking for good homes. And you could be one of those homes. So, you know, definitely don't don't go to a breeder. Don't, you know... uh, just don't 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 go for other options definitely adopt there are some great dogs and cats and other animals in shelters just just waiting for the right person to come and scoop them up yeah like there's no reason to to go to a breeder especially where like you know a lot of times these dogs are uh or even cats like they're like brood mares where like you have one mother that they just as soon as she gives birth and the puppies are uh, can be taken away or the kittens can be taken away they just get her pregnant again like and that's all she does and like it's uh definitely abusive it's yeah it's it's not a it's not an appropriate life for for any being whether no. it be animal or or human um but yeah definitely uh if you're looking to add to your family adopt i really look forward to the day that we actually have space and can 
uh, foster cats and I also, it's my life goal to become a hospice for senior cats and, you know, eventually someday, someday, I'm gonna have a dog. But mm-hmm. my goal, like, I just want to go to a shelter and just sit there and have all of these puppies just come and, like... <laughs> Chew, yeah. Well, that's how uh, El Goro got his his dog, uh, Freya, who is a pit bull. When we've both decided that, well, that's probably what we're going to end up with because we will go to a shelter and we'll see who bonds with us, who chooses us. And so many pit you bulls are in the choo- shelter. Choo- but he said, me? he said she just jumped up into his lap and got comfortable and was like, well, looks like this is the one. Honestly, so a couple of years ago, um, obviously pre-pandemic and everything, I sometimes volunteer at shelters with my mom and my sister. And we were at the shelter and we were helping entertain the dogs and walk the dogs. And they had these, this group of dogs. I believe there were three of them. Two of them got along better together. So they were in a, uh, like a, a caged area together. And then there was this one who, um, he just he was having a really hard time. He wasn't really bonding with anyone. He didn't really have much of a bond with the other two that he was brought in with. They were all hunting dogs. I forget the exact breed that they were. Pointers maybe? Um, maybe something like that. Uh, but there was this one and I, I they, you know, asked us if we wanted to to walk them and my mom and my sister took the other two that were, you know, more the better natured and bonded and, you know, a little more people. Fr- and that's the thing, like they weren't really people like super people friendly yet. They weren't available for adoption. They were trying to uh, kind of get them more comfortable around people, get them ready to be adopted, you know, kind of work with them a little bit uh, so that when people did come to, you know, with the expectation of adoption that these dogs would be, you know, a, a good fit for some of these these people or these families. Right. And yeah, this this one dog, like he was so just antisocial and he was kind of kind of mean. I'm gonna say mean for lack of a better word. Like he he wasn't he was just a little standoffish. Uh and we we went in and they asked me they're like well you know you don't have to take him but you can take him if you're if you feel comfortable but know that he might not feel comfortable with you and mm-hmm. and you know they kind of gave me the whole warning and stuff I was like yeah you know what I'm I'm fine let him come out and if he's cool I'm I'm absolutely okay with you know being the one to give him a walk and kind of spend some time with him and he came right out and he was a little hesitant at first but he warmed up rather quickly and we just kind of had a moment where we bonded and then we went for a walk and then afterwards we came back in and he was just hanging out a little bit outside before they put them back into like the caged kennel areas and the people were just like you know we haven't seen him like this yet like you know this is what we're hoping happens and stuff so i don't know what the hell i did but nice I almost I was like sitting there, I'm like, you know, you're lucky <laughs> I can't bring you home right now because I would. Yeah, actually that would be the opposite. Like, you know, I wish we could have brought him home. 
but he was just he was so good he was so good and it's almost like he's just waiting for you know because they were hunter dogs so you know their main purpose was to to hunt and the reason why they were turned over was because they were getting a little bit older and they weren't as spry as they used to be mm-hmm. they weren't really useful to the person who they were hunting with or i should say for at that point so because he couldn't use them it's assumed that he went out and got new dogs and just brought these dogs to a shelter. Yeah, and these don't... dogs hadn't had, you know, any like real loving human interaction. Like, sure, they were well taken care of. They were fed, but it was almost like a tit for tat kind of thing. Like they were like employees or staff. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And weren't given that uh, they weren't family members. We'll put it that way. They weren't, you know kept in a I don't believe they were kept in the home they were I mean they were still kept in a I'm sure they had like they had a roof over their head and stuff but they weren't like you know it's not like oh like come jump on my bed with me come snuggle let's watch tv let's you know there wasn't any of of that bonding time so I really hope I think his name is Charlie I think his name is Charlie so I mean his name could be something else by now but I really hope somebody adopted him and gave him a chance and that he found a really good home because he was such a sweet boy. You could tell that he just kind of had like a, a rough exterior from, you know, mm-hmm. probably everything that he had dealt with up to that point. I mean, who knows? This person could have received them as puppies and that's like all, all they, they know. So that's probably uh, what happened. You know, you get them as puppies, you train them as hunting dogs, you know, to, you know, catch the birds that you shoot down or you know but i mean like some of these these shelter animals have you know really heartbreaking stories like our baby my baby zombie she was found in a box with her siblings Mm -hmm. just thrown on the streets of worcester like just thrown in a box and thrown outside yeah so we took her home and one of the when i went to get them uh when i went to get her i got to you know see them and she was underneath all of them. Oh, yeah. They were a fur pile. They were a big, like, I didn't big, see her. Big, toasty, fuzzy fur pile. And, like, she was literally underneath all of them. And, like, when I got there, they all started to move. And, like, one of them was very aggressive and was biting me. Uh, you know, not, like, super mean-like, but was just, like, I'm a tough guy and I'm going to bite you because I'm a tough guy. But, yeah, it's... uh you know shelter animals you know you hear so many times of like like oh yeah you know people found this bag on the side of the road next to a dumpster or whatever you know in an alley and it was moving they opened it up and it was full of puppies like it's it's uh pretty heartbreaking if and, you care about animals yeah exactly and to be honest with you most of these shelters will take in animals no questions asked yeah but you have to bring them in the shelter. You can't like leave them outside. You know? Right. So if you do find yourself in a situation where you can no longer care for your pet, you know, bring them to a shelter. If you can't rehome them yourself, don't, you know, don't leave them in a fucking box on the side of the road or a bag or some something awful. But uh yeah. So So speaking of being absolutely horrible to animals, when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about Cruella DeVille. Yes, her uh, (laughs) her rise, her, you know, her her upbringing and the weird. uh, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. 
Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. The following promotion is sponsored by Blu-ray Underground. In a world swarming with boring, predictable awards shows, what will separate from the rest? Rise above and unite the podcasting realm in a testament to the outstanding achievements of the community. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards. Podcasters, YouTubers, and Twitch streamers, now is your time. Make your voices heard and submit your program by going to amalga-mania.com for all the details, submission categories, and guidelines. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards, the summer's biggest blockbuster event. You don't want to miss it. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Cruella de Vil. That's it. Cruella de Vil, Cruella de Vil. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Oh, To Roger. see her is to take a sudden chill. <gasps> Cruella, Cruella. She's like a spider waiting for the kill. Roger, Look she'll out hear you. Cruella de Vil. At first you think Cruella is a devil. But after time has worn away the shock, you come to realize you've seen her kind of eyes watching you from underneath a rock. You're no help, this vampire Roger. bat. This inhuman beast She ought to be locked up And never released The world was such a Wholesome place until Cruella Cruella de Vil Roger, you are an idiot (laughs) And we are back That was obviously the uh, Cruella de Vil song From the uh, original animated film From 1961 and uh, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's uh, fairly appropriate considering we're talking about Cruella Deville today. So, Cruella Deville, when we first meet her, both in the novel by Jodie Smith and the uh, the animated film, she is this obnoxious, uh, rude, just overbearing doesn't narcissistic doesn't care about anyone it's like oh let me put my cigarette out in your fucking cupcake oh let me you know tip my ashes in the tea that you're offering me because you're being nice and inviting me into your home and you know i'm just completely rude and self-centered and don't give a shit about you um when we first into she's in the uh in the animated film we get to see she's smoking 
I don't know what the fuck, embalming fluid? I don't know. It's letting off this noxious green smoke. So the reason, okay, so well, I guess we'll start here. We'll save the book for a, a moment. Um, the reason behind that is because of the coloring of the animation. So the puppies themselves weren't white. They were a light gray. She is wearing cream colored which is, you know, not quite white. Mm-hmm. Her hair is a light gray and a black. So there was already too many light colors going. And then she herself is a very pale person, um, you know, and then you have the other colors of the other characters and stuff. So there were already so many light colors happening that uh, smoke necessarily would not have shown up if it had been like a typical white light gray color you know with all of the light gray happening already with all of the puppies and everything so they needed to do something to make the cigarette smoke stand out so they decided to do it this green color which kind of you know uh really lends itself to the character i think makes her seem more toxic well exactly exactly and the fact that she's always brandishing you know this cigarette holder this long i've always thought those were to be rather luxurious. I'm not a smoker anymore, but I've always wanted one. Um, I kind of want to brandish one just to have one and hold in conversation. You know, you just could to, get the, the ring that holds the have, joint. Yeah, you just to and smoke at the same time. Just to have one. Uh, but anyways, yeah, she's constantly, you know, brandishing her, her long cigarette holder with these, you know, uh, long they're definitely bigger you know cigarettes and she's ashing all over the place and yeah it's to make her appear toxic you know that's one of the first things you see from her she walks in and she you know looks the way that she does and she's branding this cigarette holder with these cigarettes that are you know in this glowing green smoke and you just kind of you're supposed to get bad vibes from her and that's supposed to kind of help uh create that image well i mean she she comes in and she seems like she's larger than life at first but it's that giant fur she's wearing like you see her and she's like this emaciated like corpse of a human like how are you even like alive you know and but she's got this like violent energy to her that you know like i said you know she doesn't she takes no one's feelings or interests into account as she brandishes her cigarette and waves the smoke around and you know insists you know telling everybody an idiot and you know, just being generally unpleasant. Like, you know, there's that that thing that goes around every so often. Like, if my dog doesn't like you or you're the type of person that, you know, my dog thinks you're an asshole, like, I'm not going to trust you. And, you know, Pongo is growling at her. She's like, come here, dog. Come here. Come here, dog. Come here. And he's growling at her, and she just keeps getting closer and closer and closer to him. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, get away from the dog. He clearly does not want anything to do with you. But she's so oblivious to that. It's almost like she's got uh, antisocial personality disorder. If you've ever seen, um, I think it's Girl Interrupted with Angelina Jolie and, mm-hmm. and Brittany Murphy and uh, Winona Ryder. Like, that's what Angelina Jolie has. You know, like, you know, she does has no emotion whatsoever. Doesn't care about anyone. She's the only person that 
that matters, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, like that's all that matters. Um, it's, and, and to give her, her appearance, like that gaunt, sharp angle, like her face is too big for her body. Her arms are too long and spindly. Like if this was live action, she'd probably be played by Doug Jones. One of the things I love about the animated film is the fact that it uses that classic animation that Disney was known for at the time. And in order to really uh, create dimension for these characters, not only by the voice actors, but they would, you know, and it's stuff that is still done today. You know, you create these really... uh, interesting and over-exaggerated characters uh, that lends itself to the personality. You know, she has these high cheekbones and, you know, she's very thin and, you know... Gaunt. uh, You know, uh, and and that's very on par with fashion and stuff as well. Uh, Not so much, well, I mean, a little bit nowadays, but definitely, like... In the 60s in London? In the 60s and 70s and whatnot, like, you know, the uh, rail thin look was definitely in. Yeah, the uh, the heroin chic. Yes, yeah, so, uh, that was more the 90s. But, oh, okay. But yes, no, this is the uh, cocaine chic. Oh, my, my bad. Marcy! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're first introduced to this character in Dodie Smith's 1956 novel, The 101 Dalmatians. Uh, she's very similar to the character that she is portrayed as in the animated film, but there are some differences. So originally she is depicted as a pampered and glamorous London heiress who knows the owner of the Dalmatian puppies from school, though it is mentioned that they were not friends and and she frightened the young Mrs. Dearly. So in the book, it's Mr. and Mrs. Dearly, Instead not Darling. Roger Rad- Radcliffe Ronnie and Radke. Anita Darling. Darling from the animated ser- uh, film. Yes. Um, so it's the Dearlies, and they're married, and you know, well, a very proper blah, blah, blah. British name. So, anyways, you know, Cruella Deville in the book is married. She married a furrier. Yes. And insisted that he take her last name. So he's very meek, and she really only married him so she could use him for his talents. And they kind of gave that to um, Emma Thompson's character in Cruella, which we'll get to. Huh? They gave her... Emma Thompson is very much Cruella DeVille from the novel. Even though she plays yes. a different character. Yes. Okay. I, I get what you're. Yes. I get what you're. You're getting at here. Um, so, Cruella is in the in the book. She is the last of her prosperous and notorious family, who appears wealthy but is in fact heavily in debt. So she's kind of uh, trying to keep up appearances in the book and obviously they uh do the whole puppy thing she steals the puppies that happens yeah it's, um, it's different in the novel where she has like two goddamn giant mansions and one of them is dilapidated you know they don't really spend a lot of time on her financial situation but they make it seem like she has you know just 
buckets of what do they have pounds pounds yes tons of pounds pounds upon pounds of pounds pounds of pounds uh yes and she you know has these dinner parties where she feeds her guests strangely colored food that straight uh, tastes strongly of pepper she loves a, a strong Ooh. pepper flavor and she's always it's always hot cold. where she is like she uh, she likes to be hot uh there's a, a situation where she's wearing a mink coat or plans on wearing a mink coat and they're like oh it's going to be far too warm for that and she's like absolutely not i'm wearing this right She's always, like, wherever she goes, like, they have to have a roaring fire. She has to have furs on, like, giving you strong overtones of she's the devil. Yes, yes. Uh, and in the book, she has a cat. She has a white Persian cat, which obviously did not translate to any of the other uh, adaptations that we've seen. And she's horrible to this cat. This cat has kittens and she drowns the kittens. Yes, yes. She kills the kittens to make coats and stuff out of. And that's pretty much, you know, why she keeps this cat uh, to be this breeding factory for Which her to is make clothes. why I brought that up earlier. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's awful. You know, she still has her henchman Jasper and Horace in the book. Um, you know, and it, it plays out Similarly, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like it's 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 a very faithful adaptation. Like they cut out a lot of the stuff. Like her having a husband, not really relevant to the story. Her being in financial problems, not really relevant to the story. Her constantly needing, uh, needing to be warm all the time, not relevant to the story. Like the reason why they took that stuff out is because you can present her as being like scary and bad. Because you're using a visual medium when you're right. writing a story and per someone is a person is reading what you're writing, you have to go into a lot more detail and kind of paint a word picture and let them know like this is, you know, how this character looks. And then you can kind of, um, you know, use that and, you know, form your own idea of what the character should look like. And again, you know, watching the movie, you know, I was like, you know. They kind of gave that to Emma Thompson. So it is believed that the inspiration for the name began in 1939 when Dodie Smith purchased a new Rolls-Royce 2530 Sedanka DeVille motor car in which she and her pet Dalmatian Pongo frequently traveled in. And that car was also the inspiration for the car that Cruella drives. Yeah, so Dodie apparently uh, did well for herself uh, as far as, you know, it's like, oh, yes, I will, I'm going to drive my Rolls Royce. Because even back then, that's not a yes, cheap car. Yes, that was a, a Rolls Royce has always been synonymous with one doing well for themselves. Like beyond Money. riches. Like, yes. There's like wealthy, and then there's excess. the super rich. Yes, like... What advantage does this automobile have over a train, which I also could afford? So, obviously, the name is also a pun on cruel and devil, you know, Cruella DeVille. Uh, you know, it's an illusion that is emphasized by having her English country house nicknamed Hell Hall. Like, and it's not even, like, in the book, it's not subtle. 
like when you think like oh Deville, like you're thinking of the you know the car. You know, usually it's you know like the the Plymouth Deville, not the Rolls Royce. You know, for us us peasants, mm-hmm. um, and you think D E V I L L E. In the book, it's D E space V capital V I L. Like it's they're not even attempting like any subterfuge right so it's also a literary allusion to bram stoker's dracula from 1897 in which there is a count deville who is dracula Mm -hmm. yeah which again subtlety not a strong point but so yeah I, i think for a lot of us so i actually haven't read the book um i didn't even realize it was a book like mm-hmm. until way later on in life it was like oh this is a book like i thought it was Disney you know doesn't how... have any original inf- ideas well, for like the first hundred years thing. of their existence so whenever a disney film comes out uh a lot of times there's a novelization of it of the Disney version. So I remember having a lot of Disney novels, like short stories or whatever, you know, based on all of these animated films, like, uh, you know, Dalmatians and Sleeping Beauty and even had a short story of Mary Poppins. Yeah, again, none of those are Disney No, no, but, you know, by packaging it like that, it looks like, oh, these are Disney stories. Because they had, you know, the similar illustrations based on the animated movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it looked, everything just looked and reeked of Disney. (laughs) Yeah, but... Like, Disney just just vomited all over it so it's easy to look at something and be like oh i didn't realize this was an entity outside of disney before disney got a hold of it because they've done that with a lot of things right like pinocchio's an italian like folk tale. yeah it's almost like a rebranding you know like almost. You hans christian anderson you know the the little mermaid like disney changes them a lot you know Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, you know, that's long before Disney. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. They also like to change. So they'll take the ideas. They'll take the same, like the bones of the story, the structure, but they'll change some of the happenings. Uh, yeah, like, some of the some of the endings have changed. Like a lot of these are based off of the, the grim wicked, fairy tales. The Wicked Witch at the end of Snow White was not wearing red hot shoes and forced to dance until she died. You know, the... The Little Mermaid did not turn into sea foam because she couldn't seduce the prince. You know, things changed slightly uh, for Disney to give them the happy Disney ending. And like that was. And a, they lived happily ever after. Right. Like none of these things, you know, Tarzan's not theirs. You know, um, Frozen isn't theirs. Frozen is a Hans Christian Andersen story. Let it go. Like I can't. I can't hold back anymore. Yeah. So. In the film, and, and, you know, she's very striking. And now striking can, striking is is sometimes used in the sense, like a a good sense, like, oh, she's very striking. You know, it's like a, uh, you know, she's very aesthetically uh, pleasing. But striking can also mean the very opposite. And I'm, this is where you and I start to differ as far as our thoughts and feelings about Cruella DeVille. I think she's fabulous. And she is fabulous from the word go. As soon as she 
flings open the door. Anita, darling, because she wants those puppies. Uh, I'm, I love her. I love her. And I know we're supposed to hate her because she wants to skin puppies. And I know that's bad. But like, uh, I really like her. I want to be her friend. Yeah, no, I don't think she has friends. She can't have friends. I don't think she's capable of having friends. We saw in the film, uh, the new live-action film, Cruella, we got to see exactly how she treats her friends. Like, people that did anything for her forever, and, and, and you know, they were there for her, and they took her in, and they helped her, and... She treated them like absolute shit. Like, there was nothing redeeming about her in any way, shape, or form. Like, I get where you're coming from, you know, from the fashion sense, the way she looks. Yes, she looks fabulous. She looks, uh, she is very striking, what with her, you know, gaunt angular proportions and her, you know, exaggerated limbs and. Well, and that's and this is just the animated version. We haven't even started talking about Glenn Close's portrayal. That is just <gasps> I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen a hundred and one or a hundred and two Dalmatians. I haven't watched the uh, the TV show either. So it is the hundred and one Dalmatians, the live action version, where we learn why. Cruella DeVille is so Wait, no. I did watch one version. Is that the one with Jeff Daniels? Yes. All right, so maybe I have seen that one. That is the one where we learn why she's so adamant about puppies. Because, you know, in the in the animated version, she just wants the puppies. She's, mm -hmm. She just wants all the puppies. She's collecting puppies. We don't know why puppies, because technically full-grown dogs have more fur to them, more, you know... Uh, space to make fabric then you know more surface area that's a word more surface area than puppies so it would make more sense really to go after full-grown dogs and turn them into full coats what's easier to 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 transport and house and you know are you gonna have a hundred and one full-grown dogs you know getting along together or is it easier to have a hundred and one uh uh, puppies. But it is revealed in the live action version that the reason Cruella chooses to skin puppies is that when short haired dogs grow older, their fur becomes very coarse, which does not sell as well in the fur fashion industry as the fine, soft fur of puppies. I mean, that's true, too. I mean, that's that's a good point. You if know, you're going to be. The younger versions of most animals have these really just—they're just, super fuzzy. They're so soft. Right. You have like this little kitten that hasn't like shed for the first time yet, and even after their first couple of sheddings, their 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 fur is just still so soft. Yeah, I mean, give them give them some time, you know. Um... You know, once their spots come in and everything, like, you know, once they get their markings, because uh, when they're first born, they're kind of coarse as well. Um, but then, like, you give them a little bit of time, especially, and well, it's, it's easier to skin them because they have, you know, a lot of loose fur. This is true. So, you know, she's looking at it from a practical standpoint. As you just far, need more. There, there really isn't any, uh, 
it sometimes takes a little bit for the little ones to start to develop muscle mass. You know, for a while, they're just cute little chubby things. Mm-hmm. Little chubby that bark puppies. and squeak. Uh, so anyways, yeah, so that kind of gives us a little background into that. Um, she's a fashion designer. She has this whole empire in the live action, and that's where Anita is working for her, which establishes that relationship right there. So yes. it's not necessarily that they were schoolmates, but Anita works for her. And Anita has a picture of Purdy or Perdita on her desk and Cruella. Cruella uh, notices it and she's like, oh, what beautiful spots. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mind that so much. See, I don't really remember the movie all that much because, you know, like I said, I watched it once and I think I watched it 25 years ago. But, you know, I like the fact that, um, you know, you have you have their existing relationship like either way it doesn't matter but <sighs> having her be a fashion designer makes a lot of sense um there's too much in the uh in the uh animated version that you know, need some more explaining. Well, I mean, and that's not the only animated version as well. So obviously there's the 101 Dalmatians that came out in 1961, uh, which she was voiced by Betty Lou Gerson. And she's actually, uh, the design of her and her mannerisms are inspired by Tallulah Bankhead, who was this big actor at the time. Um, not at the time, but she was a big actor and also uh, inspired by like Tallulah Bankhead was the big inspiration, but she was also inspired by uh, Betty Davis and um, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. I have it in my notes somewhere. Let me look real quick. What's her name? From... Uh, Rosalind, Rosalind, Rosalind. Rosalind. Uh, bah, 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 bah. I would have said, what's her name from uh, Mommy Rosalind Dearest? Rosalind Russell. Uh, no, not Joan Crawford. Because, I mean, she had that severe face well, similar to Joan um, Crawford. But Okay, so speaking of Joan Crawford, six degrees of separation from Joan Crawford, um, Joan Crawford was in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Betty Davis, and it was definitely that version of Betty Davis, the older Betty Davis, the heavily made up. And uh, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, maybe Crawford almost, almost was more scary looking. The uh, evil stepmother from Cinderella. Yes. Yeah. Lady Tremaine. Yes. That yes. that there's a I believe there's a correlation between the two of them. Well, I mean, they look very similar. No wire hangers. I don't think they had to worry Ever. about that with, with her with her kids. They weren't very social. Just don't mention the name Christina. <laughs> um, yeah. See, uh, the problem I had with you know rewatching the movie now as a forty-year-old, and it's like, it's like okay, they have this really nice place. He's an unsuccessful musician. She doesn't work. They have this two-story apartment with two dogs, and they have a maid? Yeah, so 
I'm going to sidestep back to the point I was making before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, 101 Dalmatians, 1961, voiced by Betty Lou Gerson. Uh, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patches London Adventure in 2002, voiced by Suzanne Blakesley. Uh, obviously, there's the live action 101 Dalmatians and 102 Dalmatians, 96 and 2000, respectively, starring Glenn Close. Um, there's also, oh, uh, Cruella DeVille live action appeared in the series Once Upon a Time. Yep. And she also appeared, actually appeared in a couple of seasons of that. I used to watch it. Mm-hmm. I stopped watching it, but I kind of want to restart Revisit. it. And yeah, I kind of want to give it another chance just to just to see. Finish it? Uh, yeah. Because I'd, I'd watched it for a really long time. And I watched the introduction of, uh, they had like Cruella and um... Oh, God, there was a couple of other... They had Elsa on there, didn't they? They had a whole season with Frozen. Um, but there, was, there were a few other people. Uh, she's also in Disney's The Descendants, or she, she appears in Disney's The, the Descendants. Yep. Um, she's also... I mean, she's part of the fabric of Disney at this point, so she's been animated in a bunch of other things, too. I would so, imagine she was uh, in the, the... House of Mouse. Um, the um, the video games, Kingdom Hearts. I... Maybe? I, I, I haven't played all of them, but I would imagine... I would imagine that she was part of that somewhere. Maybe. Um, I mean, there's like three or four games. There's also uh, 101... Dalmatians, the series that lasted for like a season minutes. or two, pretty much. Um, and then there was 101 Dalmatian Street series. And then, yeah, so she was also in Disney's House of Mouse. Um, she appeared in Mickey's House of Villains. And, you know, a couple of other things. too. So she's been like the character of Cruella has been involved in a lot of Disney-related stuff. She's one of the scariest-looking villains there is. But, you know, we really see her. Like, we really get more of her character in the animated 1961 film, Mm -hmm. the two live-action films starring Glenn Close, and this Cruella film that just came out starring Emma Stone. Yeah. So, yeah, back to what I was saying. Like, at least in... In these other uh, films, you know, they kind of give a, 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 a backstory of, like, where these people have their money. Like, you know, Roger was, uh, first of all, played by Kayvan Novak. And when I saw him, I'm like, holy shit, that's Nandor. He played the Baroness's uh, lawyer. lawyer. And, like, you know, she also made fun of him for, you know, playing terrible songs at a, at a bar on a piano. So it's like, okay, he had his lawyer money. I'm sure she paid well. But in the live action film, uh, Roger, who was played by Jeff Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, he was a video game developer. Yes. And he, he sold a video game uh, where Cruella was the bad guy, was the villain. Okay, yep. Yeah, and that's... And, and that's where he got his money from, and that's where they were able to buy that... Kind the of ridiculous like place out palatial, in the country. not palatial mansion, but uh, a estate. very large, yeah, a manor uh, out in the country where they could house these hundred and one. Right, Dalmatians. as opposed to in this, I'm just talking about the beginning of this movie, where it's like, oh yeah, this is Roger. He, you know, 
is a musician, but like hasn't made it. Like, so it's like, where does he get his money? And then they get married, and she doesn't work. He's a failed musician, and you have a maid. Like, that's the big mystery. I want to know where they're getting their money from. Maybe, maybe they uh, sued Piccadilly Circus for not having enough animals because it's not actually a circus. Or, you know, maybe they fell off that uh, that Ferris wheel, you know, that big Ferris wheel in downtown London, and they sued for that. I don't know. But either way, like, they had enough money to afford a really nice place overlooking the park in downtown London. Two stories, you know. I also want to know how he got his piano up the stairs into that little tiny room. Why don't you go ask him? Well, because uh, he's an old man now, and he doesn't know. And he doesn't like to talk about the Dalmatians, because it makes him sad. So there was, uh, leading up to Cruella coming out, there was a little bit of speculation about this film because you know we don't know too too much of Cruella we know where she where she went but we don't know where she's been you know we know her character from point you know x to from when she's about 40 years old but we don't we don't know why she is the way that she is you know we don't really know anything really about her backstory uh, we just we just don't know, you know. Um, she's been portrayed beautifully, you know. I love Glenn Close, and I love mm-hmm. the Glenn Close portrayal. I think that it's oh god. First of all, the fashions in those movies, like Glenn Close, looks so good. Ah, oh, um, you know. But the story makes a little more sense. Yes. In in, in the first one, the second one kind of not everything needs a sequel. Just gonna say that. Well, they probably it was a contractual thing. I'm I'm sure because there's no way that she wanted to do two of those, but you know, especially one going like straight to like Cruella well, goes I mean, straight to video. She was an executive producer on Cruella. Yeah, but I mean, so anything Disney does now, you want to get in on the ground floor. This version, we get to see Cruella's backstory, and like I said, there was a little bit of um, some trepidation going into this for some people, myself included, because of what they did with some of the other backstories that they gave these iconic Disney villains. I'm looking at you, Maleficent. See, my trepidation going into this is, how am I supposed to sympathize with a woman who turns into this puppy-murdering beast? Like, how am I supposed to root for her? Like, But here's the thing, you're not supposed to. In this story, yes, you are. But you're really you not. absolutely no, are. But here's the thing, you're not. Yes, you are. They you gave can... her a tragic backstory so you feel sorry for her and want her to succeed. But here's the thing, you don't have to feel sorry for her. Yeah, you do. No, That's you what they don't. Se- they set it up. Oh, look, my mother was murdered by Dalmatians and now I'm an orphan. Uh, you could feel sorry for Emma Thompson's character, the Baroness. Why? Where would you feel sorry for her? Well, the fact that she had she her was... empire taken away from her. This thing that she worked so hard for. She, Spoiler she alert, guys, murder. from this point on, we, by well, the way. We mentioned at the beginning well, that I'm we were spoiling. Well, I'm just saying now we're entering spoilery territory. No. When you have a protagonist 
and the movie is named after them, that's who you're supposed to be rooting for. There's not but one movie that comes out necessarily that's named... need to root for them. But that's what Disney set up. Here's a tragic backstory. Here's how they overcame those odds and ended up becoming, you know, the character that we know and love. Or here's how they overcame those terrible odds and achieved their dream. And she did. But again, we know who she is already. We know that she's a terrible, terrible person who will grow up to try and murder puppies. And uh, just to kind of go back to the um, the uh, the animated the animated um, version for a second, when you first saw Cruella Deville and you first saw Anita, you would think that there's maybe twenty, thirty years between the two of them, but they were. Uh, like schoolmates so the biggest gap there could be is like three or four years like she aged terribly well don't smoke kids yeah smoking green whatever she was smoking is bad and speaking of which emma stone was super excited to sport cruella's iconic uh long cigarette holder but Disney, Disney smoke, no smoking. Disney did away with that several years ago. Yep. They said no. They will not. Sm- drinking is okay. Oh, you can get but hammered. Smoking in is not okay. Which uh, I kind of wish they had bent the rule for this one. Yeah, and if they're going to for anybody, it would be her. Um, I think, and I think the Baroness should have smoked because I think that that's. That's, it was it definitely the time. It would have fit their characters right? and their like, aesthetics. It's the seventies. Everyone was smoking and snorting. Like it's fine. Oh yeah, Artie was definitely a cokehead. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he um, partied at Studio Fifty Four on the weekends. I mean, Artie, granted, the they were in London. Party. He flew over, but anyways. Um, but yeah, here's here's the thing. Like when you. When you uh, when you try to give a backstory on a character who is reprehensible in every way, shape, or form, who Disney went out of their way to really show you that they are ugly on both the inside and the outside. You know, like we said, this is really the first character that they did this for and really one of the only characters that they did this for. Like, generally... When you have, like, even, you know, like we said, you know, the, the mom from Cinderella, the stepmom, like, she was not this hideous creature. You know, she was a very, um, she was a handsome woman. Like, she carried herself with dignity and grace and poise. Whereas, you know, Cruella not only looked the way she looked, but she was all over the place, like, just over the top rude, you know, where, you know, the evil stepmom was, you know, uh, proper and and dignified and proud and, you know, they never gave her that like wild, crazy, animalistic aesthetic that they gave to Cruella Deville, and then to come out with a movie and be like, yeah, she's the hero. This is the hero of our movie, where even her friends the entire time are like, man. She is such a jerk to us all the time. 
Why do we keep helping her? I don't understand. Why is she so mean to us? You know, we've done everything that she ever wanted. And she's just she's just cruel all the time. All the time. You know, and one of the biggest things for me was she couldn't see that she was psychotic. She kept calling the Baroness psychotic, which she was, to be fair. But she couldn't see that she also was well, psychotic. Well, I mean, come to find out, it's genetic. Yes. Uh, the Baroness ends up being her mother. So her mother getting murdered by Dalmatians at the beginning of the movie, uh, I thought was a bit fucking much. That was that was just me. Like, you know, them drop kicking her over a balcony and off of a cliff. That was a bit much to me. I, I don't, you know. I disagree. I think it was the perfect amount of much. See, I think it would have been. See, and that was. Because that establishes her vendetta against Dalmatians. Right. But they only did what they were trained to do. And that, again, gives us her tragic backstory. Not only seeing her mother die, but thinking she was responsible because those dogs were chasing her. So thinking that she was responsible for her mother's death and she was responsible for making herself an orphan, you know, slowly rising up. She got her... Her dream job after being, you know, she did what she had to do to survive. I'm not knocking her for that. But once she got her job, uh, she had to struggle and fight and prove that she was worth, you know, what she was worth. You know, she was scrubbing toilets and, you know, trying so hard to get noticed. But like, hey, let me let me try this. Let me do this. And, you know, every time, you know, the, the guy that was her boss was just like, nope. Go scrub the toilet. Nope. Clean my office. You know, and, you know, she finally was able to break through. And the whole time you're like, yeah, all right. Yeah, this is great. But it's like, she's the bad guy. She is bad. She is a bad person. I'm sorry. Have you never rooted for the bad guy? Uh, This is a different story. When this is... I've rooted for characters and it's like, all right, this is a cool character that... You know, maybe from a certain point of view, they are uh, the the hero we're supposed to be rooting for is not really a hero. Because th- but s- this is established for 60 years that she is evil, kidnaps puppies, wants to murder them. But here's the thing. When we're seeing her when she's younger, how does she get the name Cruella? Because she is cruel. Exactly. She is naturally evil. She is a naturally defiant person. And how does that make her a likable... How am I... Why does that make me want to root for her? That's what I'm saying. You don't have to want to root for her. You don't have to watch a film and want to root for something. You can watch a film and have it just be a film. You don't need to be like, go team. Like You don't need to root for anything. See... Here's the here's the problem with a Disney film. Here's why I have to disagree with you. Every Disney film, every Disney film, because of the title that it has, that's who the protagonist is. That's who you're supposed to identify with because they always want you to identify with 
the protagonist in any film. But here's the thing. You don't have to. Then what's the point of watching the movie? Like, you're you're watching a movie to watch a character's journey from point A to point right, B. Right, a and character's watch them grow. journey. You don't, and, and yes, but you can watch a person who is evil become even more evil. You can watch a character's descent into madness. You can watch a character become confident in themselves. But that's different. You don't need to root for them. In Disney films, you do. In Disney films, they are presenting Well, maybe they are breaking the mold with this film. No, I don't think they are. I maybe think they are trying to cash to in on name. Maybe you need to stop being so stupid. No, I think they, they're trying to cash in on name recognition. And this kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier. If this had been another film, um, if this had been another film... Without, you know, these specific characters, if they had all been named, you know, like Alice and, and, and you know, her, her street urchin friends, you know, Joe and Chet, like, this would have been a completely different film. But knowing that this is who they chose as their protagonist, your protagonist is the character that you're supposed to identify with. The protagonist, especially when the character is... Not necessarily. Yes, necessarily. No. Name a film where you follow a, a series of characters that one of them stands out, and this is the one you're supposed to be rooting for. Yeah. Every one, especially like Rocky. Are you supposed to be rooting for Rocky? Okay, but this yes. isn't Rocky. No, but what I'm saying is when you name a movie after a character, that's the character you're supposed... Mad Max, Rocky, Old Yeller, which, you know, you root for Old Yeller wah, wah. and you're sad. You know, The Fox and the Hound, um, wah, Bambi. Wah. Yeah, The Little just... Mermaid. You're rooting for these characters. You're trying... These are the characters that are being presented as these are the ones... Okay, but side note, The Little Mermaid was fucking stupid and Ursula got the shaft. Yes, she did. But you were still rooting for The Little Mermaid when you watched this as a kid. You no. still Yeah. Okay, maybe you were rooting for The Little Mermaid. No, I was rooting for the uh, the chef. <laughs> I was... That's the best part of the whole movie. I lost I my goddamn mind the first time I saw for it. The chef. <laughs> no, like the first <sighs> The only way that they could make her seem like a decent character is to come up with someone so cartoonishly evil that she looks good by comparison. And all they really did was take her character from the book and put her as a separate character. So this is almost like their version taking on you know, it's like Nurse Ratchet. That whole series, like every time Rat something was going to happen to Ratchet and she might get in trouble, you're like, "Oh, I hope she doesn't get in trouble," because you're supposed to be identifying with her, even though you know she's terrible. Right. So, if if that's the same thing, why can't you see the difference between the two? There is no difference. You're not. You're 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 rooting for characters that you know are terrible. Those are the focus. Those are the ones that they're putting in. Are peril. you having a difficult time rooting for a terrible person? Yeah, yeah, I am. 
I don't want terrible people to succeed. I want, I would, watching this film, I would rather see a spinoff where Horace and Jasper go, fuck this, we're out, and take Wink, and th- go see the adventures of Horace, Jasper, and Wink. I would rather see that than Cruella continually to do terrible, horrible things and just keep winning and keep succeeding and keep getting by. No matter how terrible she is, she faces zero consequences and in the end just keeps getting further and further along in life, no matter how bad she is. Maybe the state of the world has kind of poisoned me to that because that's what we see every single day. But I would like to see a story, you know, that's kind of fantastical where somebody faces insurmountable odds and comes out on top. You know, like, but does it in a good way. Solo is a good example of this. He did some underhanded things, but he did underhanded things to help the good guys and uh, get rid of the bad guys. Cruella got rid of the bad guys. And is... So, that's like, you know, like, oh, all right. We got, you know, we got rid of Joffrey. Here comes Ramsey. You know, that's, that, that's you know, looking at it from Sansa's point of view. Oh, I got away from Joffrey. Thank Cruella God. Cruella DeVille is not Ramsey Bolton. No, but you got rid of one terrible, terrible character who did awful things. You know, she's like, you killed my mother. I'm sorry, you're going to have to be more specific. I've murdered lots and lots of women. You know, that's what I do to get ahead. Like... She's, I'm going to burn you alive and blame your friends for it. Mwahahaha. If she had a mustache, she would have been twirling it. Only to be like, oh yes, I wanted people to think that I murdered puppies. Especially her. I wanted her to think I kidnapped her dogs, skinned them, and made a coat, and upstaged her. That's what I want her to think. Because I'm a good person and a protagonist that you should follow. But nobody ever said she was a good person. Right. But when you're making them the... So you're making assumptions. No, no, no. No, you are. Disney putting her at the forefront, naming the movie after her, painting her in this light of... like I said, this film doesn't necessarily follow the formula that Disney has set out. Yes, it does. Loss of a parent, orphan... Struggling against insurmountable odds against an evil character, using some sort of trickery or chicanery but to overcome that evil person at the end. in the same vein that they have in previous films. Right, because the protagonist who's overcoming all these things, it turns out to be one of the worst characters and one of the worst villains that Disney has ever put to screen. Cruella That's DeVille is number 39 on AFI's 100 top. It's like 100 heroes and 100 villains. Yeah. Number 39. Yes. That, that's, that's pretty all good time. For, for a Disney villain. That's not just Disney. And this is who and we're supposed to all time. This is the hero of this movie. She's not a hero, though. That's she's the thing. She's the hero of this movie. I didn't say she's a hero because I'm pretty clear in my thoughts on whether or not she's a hero. But they made her the hero of this film. It's the exact same thing as every other Disney film. Totally. Loss of parents, struggles against you okay, know, so insurmountable odds against hold, an evil hold, hold that thought. 
what about the Star Wars prequels? You know Anakin Skywalker is going to become Darth Vader, and yet you're rooting for him from time to no, time. I'm not. I'm rooting for Obi-Wan. Because I know what Anakin's going to do, what he's going to be. I'm rooting for Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's the only good one. Obi-Wan is my favorite. But it's still a similar, f- similar, similar formula. It's still a similar story. You're seeing the backstory of someone's rise to becoming this domineering evil person. Right, but there was a different reason for why Cruella wanted to to be uh be a to to take down the baroness and because the baroness was always evil to her and mean to her and stole her ideas and passed them off as her own you remember all that and you know oh why would i toast to anyone else the emperor was always super nice to anakin and encouraged him and helped him grow and tr- and got him on the jedi council and was like listen your your girlfriend your wife is going to die but i'm going to help you save her life and that's why he was he decided to be uh, a bad guy he's like because i need to save padme and save my kids that's the only way if this is what i have to do then that's what i corella was like i just like fucking up puppies I'm the bad guy. Yeah, she is. Duh. So you can't compare the two. Don't you throw Star Wars references at me. I will throw them right back at you. I made a valid point. You did not, because they didn't do the same Search your feelings. Did. You know this to be oh true. <laughs> it's uh, only true from a certain point of view. Well, from my point of view... <laughs> the, the Jedi are evil! The correct and proper point of view. Um, I mean, Cruella is evil. They're not telling you that you need to root for her. You can root for her. I was rooting for her, but I like her. They were telling I, you. I actually kind of like the Baroness, too, to an extent. Well, you you tend to gravitate towards uh, Strong, fabulous villains. independent Fabulous women doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I right. said it. You like your your Cersei Lannisters and your Cruella Devilles, but again, even Cersei is. I don't is really in- find anything wrong with these characters. The only thing that I don't agree with, as far as Cruella Deville goes, is the skinning of the puppies and the wearing of the furs. That's, That's like where it begins her, and ends. Her like major personality trait that's like but who I she also, is i love furs she has this whole thing i live for fur i worship fur i mean, same just you know man-made faux furs I, right I just, but she I just likes murdering bring... dogs and serving them to her guests well, you know if i could be buffalo bill i would but Uh-oh. that is frowned upon, so I won't. Right, but she doesn't care. See, that's the difference between I you like and her. I like animals more than people. So if right. I could skin and wear people, I would. Yeah. But people are not fabulous. People, you know, you're not going to get, you know, nice fluffy fur. Right, from people. like it's just it's just not it's just Although not I did the same. see a thing where some lady made a, like, a prom dress out of pubic hair and it's like, yeah, no thank you. I mean, you do you. I mean, if that works for you, you that's fine. You do you. Uh, but no, I I don't really see anything. I know that they're the villain, but at the same time, like I don't really see anything wrong with this character. Uh, that's why it was easy for me to root for her. I thought this whole film was fabulous i thought the story made sense it was a feast for the eyes oh my god the fashions the fashions were great 
the then I, fashion, like the costume department, just round of applause. Not, that, that's Oscar worthy, honestly. It, no, it absolutely is. The costume department and whoever was in charge of those wigs, honey, bravo. Uh, those lace fronts were just perfection. Perfection, chef's kiss. Um, and then the makeup and everything was just so good, too. It was definitely just, uh, it was so delicious. Um, you know, and there was a lot of spectacle, too, which I really enjoy. Uh, a lot, and there were some likable characters. Like her friend, who the, the controversial character that people are having an issue with right now because he's an openly gay character. Oh, Artie? And yeah, Artie, because he's Artie an was openly great. gay character in a Disney film, to which I say, fuck off. It's pride. First openly gay character. <laughs> Gaston? Gaston's Not, totally gay. You think Gaston, you didn't, LeFou? No, I think Gaston was gay. Like, that dude was way too over Here's the top. He his antlers and all of his decorating, right. if he you was, know what I mean. He was way too over the top. Like, yeah, I'm a man. I'm, I'm a man. Look how manly I am. I'm a man. Yeah, because, you know, in, in you know 16th century France, you know, that was uh, not a lifestyle that was uh, widely accepted. So he's like, no, no. I'm, but, I mean, I'm this gonna character. Go at, I have these three... Uh, hot triplets that are after me all the time. No, no, I'm gonna go go for her because she doesn't she doesn't seem like she's interested, and I think it would be okay because she probably, you know, maybe I need a beard. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, don't like. But, but I yeah, would have so thought there's... people would get up in arms that you know they made Roger and and uh, Anita uh, not white, you know, flipping out right there. It's like. But it's no, Kevin no, the, the the big thing, but yeah, Guillermo. <laughs> Gizmo. Tell, but honestly, the person who fit in one million percent in nineteen seventies London, the person that fit in the best was Artie. Holy shit, Artie was like the perfect casting. Oh, he was my favorite character. Yeah, me too. I was like. When we're watching, oh, he was it. living for it. He was giving me, he was giving me Bowie. He was giving me Warhol. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he was giving me Warhol. He was, he was giving me, um, oh, Mick Jagger. Like he was giving me everything that I wanted. I said the and only way to improve it, the only way I could have made it a slightly better uh, casting was if that was Noel Fielding. But like Artie, Artie. I was like, that's 1970s London fashion shop owner. Yes. Like, one trillion percent, like, that's him right there. I love, I love the 70s anyways, and I love the punk vibe. I thought it was just, oh, it's so aesthetically pleasing for me. Um, yes, I thought that, that was just, just fabulous. It was fabulous. Uh, and, um, oh, shit, I was going to say something, and I completely blanked. I don't know, probably something Oh, and about... the soundtrack, the music. Oh, my God. How I much money did they spend on the, the goddamn soundtrack. soundtrack? I love it. Love it. I'll bet you love half it. the budget went to procuring those songs. Uh, yeah, it was, what, a $200 million, $200 million dollar budget. budget? I can tell you, though. So, Emma Stone had 47 ensembles as Cruella. Like a full on costumes and that dress that she wore on the back of the um, garbage truck, mm -hmm. that train was 40 feet long. 
That makes sense. Like, it was so heavy, it had to be attached to her while she was on the back. Like, she couldn't move with it on because it oh, was, of course just, it was not. so no. heavy. But, oh, my goodness. Like, it was just, it was delightful. I really enjoyed this film. I plan on watching it again and again and again. I would actually like to see more of Emma Stone as Cruella because I think she did a fantastic job of making this character rather endearing. I will, Even though this character is absolutely batshit crazy evil. See, I think I would have enjoyed this film a lot more if it was not called Cruella and the main character was not Cruella DeVille. If it was called Estella instead? Yes, if it was Estella and it was a story about, like, this would have been a great Estella stand. Estella Satan. Yes. <laughs> uh, Miroslav's daughter. Uh, this could have been, like, take out the fact that it's Cruella DeVille, and it could have been an absolute, uh, just amazing film. Like, you know, again, it follows the same Disney formula that you see so often. Um I think it would have. I think it would have been great. Uh, the fact that they called it Cruella and they tried to humanize See. this terrible character. I. I. That's what I don't like. Like they're not going to make a Jafar fucking. Uh, completely disagree. I think this makes you, up fine. for the dumpster fires that was Maleficent. And, and don't get me wrong, it's it's not that those films were terrible. I just hate the fact that they gave Maleficent this likable backstory. This like I they was humanized a, her. I was really good. I was a fairy and I was a good fairy and then something happened and I turned evil like I, I, I really dislike that it's like why can't people just be evil by nature I was born evil yeah, I'm still I, evil. I get what you're saying you know so I, I really appreciated that with the Cruella story you know young Estella being called Cruella by her you know so-called mother adopted Emily mother Beecham, who is amazing as the widow in Into the Badlands you know, uh, calling her out on her, you know, evil intentions. Trying you know, to make her a better person. Right. To quell those psychotic urges. Right. You know, uh, I, I appreciated that. The fact that, you know, some people are just inherently bad. Not everyone is born good. You know, it's it's the whole nature versus nurture debate. And I would be happy to have conversations about that at any time. Um, but it, it's a thing. You know, people... People are taught to hate. They don't... They're not born with hatred in their hearts. Right. But I believe that some people are. Yeah. I believe, I believe some people are genetically pre predispositioned... Predisposed. To... Uh, predisposed whatever it's a word people know what i'm saying predispositionated you know what i was saying I people are genetically predisposed predisposed mm -hmm. um to to being evil or to to being mean to being bad yeah i loved it i like this film i think that you know if you think you're gonna like it you're gonna like it if you think that you're not gonna like it you're probably not gonna like it a lot of people like i didn't not like it like i that's you know oh no you just shat on it for a I half hour i didn't shit on it i shit on the premise i just said well had this, me, 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 me. had this not been called cruella and had it not had it just been you know new characters and you told this exact same story 
it would have been fucking amazing. But like here's it was the a thing. really good movie. They needed to give it a name because that's what puts bums in seats. But it's streaming on Disney. Yes, it's in theaters as well, but it's also streaming because, you know. But, it, but that's what gets people to watch it. That's what pe- gets people I will to, disagree that, with you That's what gets there. people invested in it. It's like, I oh, will, nope. I'm not going to watch this film about, oh, some random girl doing stuff. Oh, Cruella? Okay, cool, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, I know all about them. I'll see that movie. But it's a, well, here's the thing. It's a gamble. It's always a gamble. Sometimes it does work out, hence, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, but it doesn't always do that. Right. What I'm saying is you don't necessarily have to have that name recognition. If you have these, these, you know, good actors playing good roles in a well-written and well-directed film then you're going to be fine. You know, not every film that comes out is going to have, you know, name recognition. I mean, I would say look at pretty much every animated film that Disney and Pixar put out. Like Toy Story, no one knows what that is, you know, when it first came out. Shrek is another one. I know that's DreamWorks and not Disney. But, you know, all these these things, you know, that's how you get new properties out there. You know, Frozen wasn't a name recognizable name. So, you know, Disney, out of everybody, can take that chance and, you know, because this could also have been almost like a a retelling of, of like, a Cinderella story, you know? And, like, you know, she's Cinderella and, you know, you have, um, you know, the Baroness as the, the evil stepmother. Like, you know, make a few slight tweaks to the script and there you go. You know what I mean? Like she has her animal companion and, you know, turn turn yeah. Horace and Jasper into mice. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying with a few small tweaks, yeah. it could have been a, a, a Cinderella story. But neither here nor there. Again, I thought it was well done. I thought it was, um, you know, well executed. The characters were great. The acting was great. Uh, it was well written. It was well directed. The sets were amazing. The outfits were amazing. You know, like I said, I didn't hate it. I would have liked it more if it was not Cruella. So, I mean, we disagree on you know the uh, the overall message of the film, but you know we have different tastes, and that's totally fine. We don't have to agree on everything. We're not going to. So. No, because one of us has taste and the other one is you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we, uh, we have a new battle for you. And uh, yeah, so we'll be right back. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? 
Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack. Featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky sample pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor sample pack? Featuring all ten flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary. Are you sure you want to go through with this, sir? You do have a very full wardrobe as it is. Yes, but not completely full. For you see... Some men hunt for sport, others hunt for food. The only thing I'm hunting for is an outfit that looks good. See my vest, see my vest, made from real gorilla chest. This sweater, there's no better than authentic Irish setter. See this hat, it was my cat, my evening wear vampire bat. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino, grizzly bear underwear, turtles' necks. I've got my share, beret of poodle on my noodle, it shall rest. Try my red robin suit, it comes one breast or two. See my vest, see my vest, see my vest. Like my loafers, former gophers, it was that. Who skin my chauffeurs, but a greyhound for tuxedo would be best. So let's prepare these dogs. Kill two for matching dogs. See my vest, see my vest. Oh, please, won't you see my vest? I really like the vest. I gathered you. He's gonna make a tuxedo out of our puppies. Na 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 na. Right. Sorry, you gotta admit it's catchy. And we are back. Obviously, that was not from uh, any of the uh, 101 Dalmatians related, but it was uh, from one of the greatest parody episodes of all time. So, obviously, I had to play that one. I really like the best. My loafers, former gophers. It was that or skin my chauffeurs, but a greyhound for a tuxedo would be best. Yeah, we just heard the song. We don't need to re-sing it. All right, so uh, we hope you found that to be uh, educational and informative. Uh, I think this is one of the few times that we have like really had strong disagreements on a film or a character. Uh, which is awesome. I think we need to have more which of that. is awesome. No, yes. it is like it's it's better to have like that type of you know dueling viewpoints as opposed to yes, we both liked it. It was a good. We th- both like. thought the movie was great. We had fun. It was a good fun. We both liked this. No, we're our own goddamn people. 
We like to have good fun that is funny. So. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from that. So anyways, we have a brand new battle to throw down for you guys. And when we have a new battle. We have to play the battle theme. It's Today we are throwing down the Battle of the Satanic Seamstresses. Which dexterous deviant has what it takes to stick it to the competition and reign supreme? This battle is to the death. All sewing supplies fair game. The sandbox is Alexander McQueen's London Atelier. And you can choose from... Cruella DeVille, well, duh, uh, Buffalo Bill, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs, The Seamstress from Nine. If you haven't seen Nine, do yourself a favor and watch it. It is so well done. Or The Evil Mother from Coraline. So I just want to preface this by you called it seamstresses and uh billy's not a real transsexual but he thinks he is he tries to be <laughs> <laughs> but his pathology is a thousand times more savage and more terrifying billy hates his own identity and he thinks that makes him a transsexual but he's not really a woman he's making a woman thank suit. you hannibal you are quite welcome. So anyways, yeah, that's <laughs> the uh, that's what we have in store for you this week for a battle. Um, what do we... Uh, so we have a couple we of announcements. So first of all, submissions are open for the first annual Amalgamania Podcast and Entertainment Awards. Which you've already heard the uh, ad during the first break. The submission deadline is July 4th. And there will be a live-streamed award show the end of August. Hosted by us. Oh, we're doing that? Yeah. They paid us $40. Oh, well, I have to make sure I submit my writer. It's uh, pretty lengthy. It is. Very, I'm a very demanding talent. And speaking of talent, as a lot of you know already... Patsy here is a puppet. Will Mouse, the Darkling. Hello there. Uh, <laughs> on the other side of midnight. Uh, a show coming soon to the streaming service Pivot. And uh, that's P-I-V-O-T-T. Two T's. The Dexter T is for try and watch this show because it's amazing. Uh, and I am so pleased to announce that I am taking over the talent, the the puppeteering and the voicing of Wilton the Darkling for the remainder of the episodes of this season. Well, it makes sense that he's female because he is a gargoyle as opposed <laughs> to a garboy. A garboyle? No, a garboy or a gargoyle, you know. Thank you, Will Mouse. You're welcome. I'm off to Demonshire. Also 1979. Time travel is a bitch. 
Bye, bye, Will Mouse. See you later. Yeah, so he's uh, he's on his way back. But yes, we are very happy to uh, announce that uh, Ashes it's uh, official. will be joining us. Yeah, I've known for a little bit, but you know, I, I I had to wait a little bit to make the official announcement. So if we're friends on the social medias, you've seen my post. Uh, yes, I have the puppet in my hands. Not not literally in my hands right now, but in my possession. And in the puppet. And I am getting some practice in, working on the voice and stuff. So this is really exciting. You know, my mom always said growing up that I was a Muppet. It, mm-hmm. And now I really am one. You saying you Dreams felt can, like being uh, a puppet? I felt like being a puppet. Dreams can come true. If you work really hard, you too can become a muppet. It's not quite a mop, and it's not quite a puppet. But man, so to answer your question, I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's that. What else we got? Apothic Wines is coming out with a new wine. Yes, I, I sent you that. Uh, I got yes, the email. Yes, so I, it's just being announced right now. So I could order it, I think. do is uh, they announce it to like their, their insiders, their VIPs first. Which is weird um, that I got the email before you did. Well, well no, I, I had received the email. I just hadn't checked my email because, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm at work uh, making I, the science, doing the things. And I, I am not at um, work. No, so I I hadn't seen the email yet. So when you texted me, I got really excited. Yeah, so Apothic Wines is it's a new red blend. It sounds really intriguing. I believe it's called Apothic Crimson. Uh, they always do a really good job with naming these wines and coming out with these fantastic labels and everything just looks really good. Um, and it sounds amazing. The tasting notes on the description that they gave just sounds sublime. And I am so excited to try it. So yes, it as is. soon as I can get my little pause on a bottle, I will definitely be tasting that for you guys. Well, there, read the description. Yes. So it is Apothic Crimson, just dripping with beguiling notes of ripe red fruit and subtle hints of vanilla. Don't let the semi-sweet allure fool you. This sultry blend is far from innocent, and you've got exclu- oh, and and I've got exclusive access online. Cool, so maybe I can order some. So yes. I'm gonna work on getting my my little pause on some and tasting it for you guys and seeing if it's worth the battle trying to get some, which I'm pretty sure it is. Get your I've loved on it. it. Well, I'm I'm drinking Apothic Pinot Noir right now. So I mean, I've loved everything that Apothic has put out. You guys know this. I sing their praises constantly. They recently, um, I want to say the beginning of this year, sweet released... zombie Jeebus. So I, I put two. It's ten ninety nine per bottle. Yes. So I put two in my cart, and it comes to. $60.54. Yeah, shipping is rather Shipping ridiculous. a bitch. Shipping $35. Yeah, so we'll probably wait until we can find it in stores. So it may be a month or well, so. Well, if you buy it for, you know, if you buy $50 worth, it's you know, shipping is free. Uh, but anyways, 
Um, yeah, I believe it was earlier this year that they released both the Merlot and the Pinot Noir. And I have been just consuming it like a mad woman lately. Uh, that's really all I want to drink, which is why I haven't had too many new wines to review for you guys. Because I haven't been drinking too many new wines because I've been drinking a lot of the same wines. So, uh, but yes, I, I absolutely adore everything that Apothic has put out out and i'm sure i'm going to love this the description sounds just absolutely delicious and it sounds like a really good summer red as well i mean i know that they also have the whites and they have the rosé and you know i do like the white I, I i do i'm just not really a as i'd like to tell patrick i'm not really a white person um you know i'm definitely more of a red and i do really appreciate the rosé but there's just something about their their reds are just so well done. So yeah, as soon as I can get my little hands on some, I will let you know. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. Um, what do we have coming up? Have we decided yet? We have uh, quite a few things in the works. Mm -hmm. Working on some guests. Yep. Uh, working on some collaborations. Yeah, and I, I have to start bringing, uh, I got some shark bite stuff that's going to be coming down the pike because I really, 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 really want to talk some Resident Evil with uh, with our good buddy Jimmy Lambs. And uh, speaking of, um, I was uh, just a guest on uh, Culture Shock with uh, uh, a few other folks, including uh, Powerful Brandon and uh, our buddy Angel from uh, That Strange Show, uh, because Culture Shock every Monday uh, does a, uh, throughout throughout each month, does a, uh, like a, a horror trivia, and then everybody who wins the horror trivia each month gets, um, uh, each week gets uh, put together in, in a competition at the end of the, uh, at the end of the month for fabulous prizes, and uh it was an interesting competition, to be sure. So, definitely, uh, definitely give the latest episode of Culture Shock a listen to find out uh, who who won and who won the fantastic prizes because uh, it was uh, definitely a, a great competition. So, so uh, yeah, check it out. And um, I think with that being said. We, we will see you, see you next, next Thursday. Thursday.